0: yo dude bros welcome to episode 62 of the creative riding motorcycle podcast on today's show we're going to talk about uh the rain we got to talk about the weather happening here we're going to talk about bikes and bike blogs and we're going to talk about bananas let's get the show on the road welcome to the creative riding motorcycle podcast the internet's home for motorcycle mediocrity your host Listen, I can barely tie a shoe, let alone figure out this thing. And Something isn't that funny how line. people say not to be an asshole, yeah, but I've seen that go that on to be an asshole? Video. Oh, baby, I don't know. Did it, Wheelie? I can't tell if he's just revving the motor and being a jerkwad. My skin met the asphalt, but these new ki- new ways kit my. All right, a couple of blurs. Whatever they do with cocaine. The people who make it happen. The first bike I ever bought was originally hanging from the rafters in his garage. It's a cafe racer with alloy manks, racing tank, and clip-ons, and all that jazz. And the thing's beautiful. I just love the way the Norton sounds. The Soma actually was purchased by uh, the Barber Vintage Motorsports Museum. Right. So that's where she lives now. Oh man, bro. I was doing 200 miles an hour, and my fingers are coming off the grips. This is in and out of traffic. Um, I got to wheelie through an intersection on that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it was a little unexpected, but it, I got some applause from the homeless guy at the bus, de- bus bench. That was pretty fun. I think my dad first gave me my first motorcycle, which was a Kiwi 80, when I was four years old, and the first thing I did was look it in the bushes, showing mum how cool it was. Well, um, all right, technically all chaps are assholes, right? Or else yeah, you did, they just. Technically- Yeah, we decided that you can call anything without an ass on it, assless. All season, my bike's been having a problem hopping off the starting line, like the back of the bike will hop real bad, and I'll have to let off the gas and get back in it. And I would go to Jesse's and hang out upstairs in the old building at West Coast Choppers, and he'd let me sit there and just watch him. Uh, Right now, I'm drinking a stone rumination. Um, but that's not all I do. Earlier today I was <laughs> I was working on a BMW R ninety. Let's get started. Hoo-wee! Indeed. All right everybody. How the heck are you doing? I heard a little bird tell me that this week Mother Nature has not been kind to most of us, and I'm including California in that as well. I know everybody always is bragging about how awesome it is and it was raining today and there's a few guys out. Saw dudes, couple dudes on Yamahas today. Uh, sport bikes. So that was cool. And uh you know, there's there's you don't usually see a whole bunch uh but you know, there's a couple people that are that are brave and ride in the rain even when it's coming down at a pretty good clip. So that happened. But I did hear that there has been a lot of I'm not 100 percent sure how much snow it brought, but just, you know, nasty weather all over the place. So I wanted to say to our friends in Santa Cruz, all I've been hearing, even on the news down here in L.A., and especially on Facebook via the Motorcycles and Misfits crew, is that basically Santa Cruz is washing away and I'll be, you know, North Cal has some of the most beautiful scenery. One of my favorite places in the state is Big Sur, just because the mountains come down to the ocean. You know, they literally have these gigantic trees on the beach there and on the cliffs and everything. And, uh, you know, here in SoCal, being mostly desert, we got a lot of sand that hits the beach. And up there... It's, you know, so beautiful and San Simeon where Hearst Castle is and all that stuff. It's just it's a whole nother world up there. And just to see it getting uh, torn apart by Mother Nature is crazy. And it's nothing man made. And most of this stuff is out there in the woods and stuff that I see happening. But man, if it's not a guy getting flipped over in his news truck or a road washing away, it's a road getting closed or flooded. And it's just insane, man, the amount of rain that's been coming down in the state is is awesome. I think we're only at like an eleven percent drought now instead of uh four hundred and thirty-two percent. And uh I was jokingly uh kidding around with one of the listeners about he said our water he's pretty sure our water table had like fallen through the crust of the earth. And I said, yeah, we've been drinking lava for the past couple of years and we kinda have but, man, this is incredible. Like, I don't even think the ground can hold as much water as it's coming down and is running back out into the ocean. And it's a, it's a shame that we can't harness that in reservoirs and stuff. I mean, the reservoirs are filling up, but, I mean, there's so much that's run off. It's uh, The aqueducts are full. Uh, out, out near me there is – I mean, east of me, not right by me, but east of me, there's a, a huge riverbed that kind of divides – uh, LA from like the Inland Empire, and uh, what is it out by? It's out by like Azusa and um, out that way. I, and I can't remember, I don't know what it's called, but it, it's a dry riverbed that runs all the way down to like Seal Beach or something. It's actually got water in it right now. I took my kid hiking a couple weeks ago, and I don't know if I mentioned this a couple weeks ago when I did it, but. <clears throat> the hills were coming down and we, we there was this waterfall that had so much water coming over it that it was making its own wind they they used to tell us when i was a kid that california the big ones coming the big ones coming um the the state is going to crack off and and you know arizona is going to be the new beach the new coastline <laughs> and uh not to get pra- crazy off tangent but um we'll talk about that later actually but, yeah, you know, so they've said that a few times i there's been like when i was a when I was a little kid, that was always the big thing they're gonna it's, the earth's gonna crack or California's gonna crack off when I was in high school, it was gonna crack off a couple of years ago it was gonna crack off seven years ago, gosh, seven years ago, my daughter just turned seven a few weeks ago a couple couple weeks ago, and when she was two weeks old, I took a um A CERT class, which is basically a disaster preparedness and rescue class so that if anything happened here in SoCal, in my city, I could go and uh, basically help people rescue. You know, there's there's been some crazy earthquakes here. Whittier, Northridge, that was a huge one. Um, San Francisco, of course, has had its fair share of huge ones. And now we're seeing it again. And the point I'm making is that they always used to tell Californians, be ready for the big one, right? Have three days of food and water. When I took my emergency preparedness class, they said, it's not a matter of if, it's when. You know, we know we're going to have a big earthquake, you know, and if it tears up stuff like, you know, the ones that ripped through Northridge and collapsed bridges and toppled apartment buildings off their foundations and all that stuff. Those were basically um, like a predecessor to what could really be uh, what what's like the the plates are storing up in kinetic energy and all that stuff. And they said, that's nothing, you know, so when we do have a good one and it snaps, one of the plates kind of snap and they start to slide real big. It's going to be nasty. And then there's going to be aftershocks and emergency services if they can get to you at all it'll be a couple of days and we had to learn how to lay out you know triage areas um dead body areas areas for people that are hurt but not life threatening sanitation areas where everybody can poop because you're going to have like no running water and things are going to get pretty foul and and sickness is going to start going you know all this um doom and gloom but it's true you got to be ready for it and You know, California cracking off into the ocean, becoming its own island in Arizona, being beachfront property. There's some stupid country song about it, I guess, from a long time ago. But they never told us that we were just going to wash away. (laughs) And the fact that we're in a terrible, terrible drought, it, it really does a lot of stuff to be in a drought, first off. But out here, people don't realize that we are pretty hilly in certain parts. Um, and since we are a high desert, technically we get a lot of wildfires. I'm sure you hear all the time about the wildfires that rage up and down out here in the West because it's been so dry and just because it's like a natural phenomenon that kind of happens out here. And then, you know, when we don't have, when we're in a drought for like, I think like 12 years or I don't know how long it's been for sure, but Over and over and over, at least for the last like five or six years, we've been getting worse and worse and worse. And then, so we've had five or six years of really bad fires. And uh, I remember in 2009, tons of fires uh, all over the hill where I like to ride at. And they closed the road down until like 2011. And they just opened it up. It's the same road that I went. I took Liza and Jim on when they came down. Um, They had just opened it up because after the fires burned it and destroyed, I mean, the heat melted or, you know, destroyed some of the asphalt and then the, then the rains came and landslides have, you know, destroyed part of it and they had to rebuild it. And make a long story short, that was 2009. Then there was more fires again in 2011. Um, Part of the, like east of Pasadena, Eaton Canyon, all burned before my wife and I even moved up here. I guess like in the 90s or something, it burned really bad and and I don't know how many millions of dollars of damage it did but people that lived around there said that it was terrible and all the I mean it was just you know everything over there was tore up and over there there's a huge landslide and you can still see it if you go on Google Earth and look up Eaton Canyon it's like a hiking trail and you can actually see this like triangular shape of the mountain that just came down and they just fixed the road up there a couple few years ago i want to say Uh, we live, we, we moved up here in 2007 and, um, or 2006, something like that. And that had happened like in the nineties as a result of the fire. And they just fixed it like in 2009 or 10 or something. And then the hills around here have caught on fire. I mentioned it last year and I even took some pictures about all the fires that have happened around here. And how they, you know, they burned on both sides of the roads the, up through the twisties that I that I like to ride around here. And now the rain's come. And, dude, it's just like tearing stuff up. Nothing compared to what they're going through up north, though. I just can't believe how crazy that is. I've seen multiple news, uh, specifically Santa Cruz. Uh, and a lot of stuff is just the whole road is just cracking off and leaving a big, I mean, it's built on a cliff. Basically, like I'm telling you, the mountains meet the sea and there are these, these, uh, you can look over the cliff. There's these sheer cliffs down at the ocean and the roadway passes, you know, right over that and is kind of dug into the side of the mountains up there. So what happens is when the mountain up above lets go and it comes down, it doesn't care if there's a road, a road is like the smallest, thinnest thing when you're moving thousands of pounds of dirt and, it just coming down. I saw Cat had posted something um, about Highway 35. I saw three or four, even down here we're getting news about it. So I mean that just tells you how substantial it is and um, just crazy. I hope those guys up there are are safe and and all that great stuff. So yeah, it's just it's nuts, man. Like, have you, we need your? I was talking about the three days of food and water that they told us for earthquake preparedness, but you guys need to have that up there for. Uh, You know, this mudslides and people aren't going to be able to get through the fire department and CHP couldn't get around this, you know. So unless they start airlifting supplies or you guys get it from the north or whatever, then uh, you guys are going to be in some trouble. So, yeah, man, that is the rain in a nutshell. It's actually raining right now as we're recording this and we're going to see rain through the weekend. So everybody just stay dry, stay inside don't slide away Santa Cruz we need you but uh yeah so that's that's the weather in a nutshell been bumming me out uh the one one very clear and sunny day that was here I had my bike torn apart so it's like damn it I haven't been riding all week so what have I been doing to my bike oh well I think I said last week or I posted something on our Facebook page got a new clutch uh installing that got a carb kit from Japan that came in I'm going to be doing that working on the seat I've actually been taking pictures of this for months now I've been working on a seat pan from scratch for months 20 minutes at a time once a month so uh I'll be done with it in 2019 when when everybody you know when California is an island and I I don't know Whatever, But at any rate, it's uh, something I've been working on, something I've been documenting and taking pictures of so that when I do get it up on our website, you guys can see uh, just an idea of how one way, if you're a cheap idiot like me, how you could make a cool seat for your bike bespoke from scratch, my friend, out of fiberglass. So got that going on. Um, Solstice Slam, that's coming up March 24th, so set your audio recorders for that. That's just about a month and a week away, or if you count on your fingers, uh, 42 days. I'm just kidding, I didn't even count, I just said that. But yeah, Solstice Slam, that's your chance to make it your show. You send in an audio clip, uh, you don't set, you could send in a video and I could get the audio out of it, but, uh, send in a, a story, a cool crash story. A build story, your favorite ride story, um, the story of how you got into motorcycling, the story of how you got chased by wolves on your motorcycle and you had to jump across a ravine to get away from a Bolshevik dictator and they were like shooting rubber bullets at your helmet, whatever it is. I mean, that that's like, sounds like a movie. That sounds like Mission Impossible. But Mission Totally Possible is you sending me an audio clip. Do it on your phone. There's like most iPhones now, if you have an iPhone, has this little voice memo. You just record it. It's really crystal clear, especially if you use headphones and talk clearly. And just send that via email. You, there's like a little thing right there to push and send as email attachment. And you don't have to do anything else. You don't have to like transfer it to any other special thing and upload it to your computer. Just do it straight there from your phone. The email address is creative. Writing podcast at gmail.com, all one word creative writing podcast. And either that, or you can record it on your computer via your totally professional podcasting uh, equipment that you have in your house, but you haven't started a podcast yet, which is kind of weird for some reason, but like you're going to do it anyway one day. So you just record it on that, or maybe you're a musician and you record it on reel to reel transfer that to a jump drive put the jump drive in the computer and then upload it via email attachment however you want to do i just told i literally walked you through the technical parts of how to do it so it should make it that much easier and if i don't get any submissions i'm gonna be really sad because short of coming to your house and recording it for you on my field recorder and like pointing at you when it's time to go and saying tell me your damn story now there's no other way to really get you to send it to me. So please, March 24th, send in your submissions. Solstice Slam is going to be fun. Next on the list is the four bikes question. I posed a question a couple episodes ago, and I need to put a post up so that people can see it and remember it because it was just a quick blurb on an hour and a half long show. And uh, But four bikes... We've already got a little bit of feedback on this, and it's a fun little thing that we'll we'll put together and talk about in a couple months when we get some more responses. But I wanted you guys to tell me what you would pick if you had, a, had to pick a cruiser, a standard bike, a sport bike, and then a dirt bike or ADV bike or something like that. So I'm, I'm probably going to put this down in post form and stick it up somewhere where everybody can see it. But I, I think this will be fun to flesh out, especially because I want to get into you know building bikes and riding styles and talk to people that do both of those things. That just just an idea for some upcoming shows. That's it. I want your feedback. Marlo. Held up the ties on Monday, so I could show the cars that star. If they lose a little hair, just be alone some more tiger comes. Hey everybody, that's our favorite swing band, Johnny J and the Flatfoot Flugees. They are a little number out of uh, Coeur d'Alene, Idaho, friends of the show, avid motorcyclists. If you live in Cordlane and you go to the vintage bike night up there, well then you probably know the two founders of Johnny J and the Flatfoot Flugees, Johnny J and his Flugee. <laughs> hey, they wanted me to let you guys know that they're gonna be live March 17th from 8 to 10 PM in Spokane, Washington. March 17th, 8 10 p.m. Spokane, Washington. It is the Inland Empire Shuffle, and it's going on for March 17th through the 19th. They've got collegiate shag and Balboa workshops, live music, dancing, and it's all in beautiful Spokane, Washington. If you go to StrictlySwingSpokane.com or Johnny J and the Flatfoot Flugees at uh, JohnnyJSwing.com, you can find all the details there. There's also going to be a teacher named Joel Plies coming to the Inland Empire Shuffle. Now, if you're not into swing dancing, Joel may not be a household name, but let me tell you, this guy is a two-time Hall of Fame inductee, uh, Camp Hollywood in 2011 and California Swing Dance in 2014, and he has taught all over the world. He is a super down-to-earth guy with a high energy and a passion for swing dancing, and he's going to be teaching workshops and giving dance lessons and things like that. So let me tell you a little bit about where it is. It is going to be at 1428 West 9th Avenue, Spokane, Washington. Like I said, March 17th through 19th. Don't miss it. And guess what, folks? Johnny J and the Flatfoot Flugies have sent me a few albums to give away. Now, I know all of you aren't hipsters like me, and you don't have a record player, but if you do, I sh- certainly have a treat for you, uh, and it also comes with a digital download included as well. So, we're going to be giving away three of these uh, beautiful, beautiful colored vinyls, and uh, like I said, it includes a digital download, it's a lot of swing and blues, jump blues music about motorcycles so i know you'll love it and even if you're like into death metal you'll be come on you'll be tapping your toes just trust me on this one you you won't be able to resist the uh the lovable tunes and so basically what i want to do is go ahead and after the solstice slam cuz see this is going this event's going to go down like the weekend before solstice slam so if anybody goes out there feel free to report back on Solstice Slam as part of your story. And what we'll do is we'll give away one of these vinyls to the top three Solstice Slam submissions. And myself and a panel of very qualified individuals will judge the Solstice Slam entries and pick the top three. You know what? The the number one, the top one, whoever the top dog is... I'll go ahead and send out a bag of shit too, a little bag of shit that I've been collecting, little knickknacks and swag from motorcycle shows, little giveaways here and there. How about that? How would you like that? How would you like a vinyl that you can use uh, as a what are those like a guillotine? You know, throw it at your friend's head and chop their head off because you probably don't have a record player, uh, and then also get some really cool bike swag out of it too. Not anything major, like maybe a creative writing. Sticker that's in beta form right now and maybe like a little screwdriver set or something i don't know i got i got a lot of cool stuff that i that i can throw in a little box for you if you are the number one Solstice Slam participant so let's do that we're going to give away three Johnny J albums and somebody will get a total bag of S with their submission and I'll go ahead and wrap that up and have a carrier pigeon deliver it to you after Solstice Slam maybe two weeks after Solstice Slam when we reveal the winners so yeah that's great news for you and great news for me too let's get back to the show Dig that tune. That's a like I keep throwing that clip in here, and it's just got this vibe to it. Just a little tiger cub. He's also got some funny songs about buying all this stuff off Craigslist, which I'm sure you can empathize with, right? I mean, we all buy, we all go in there for our motorcycle ads. The wheel nerds have made a show out of it, and uh, yeah, Craigslist great place for. Getting your supplies to build your motorcycle and do your little custom build. Maybe get some gear if you're a new rider. And that's what I want to talk about now. Where do you find inspiration from? I kind of want to go into this whole building thing and, and getting creative because for me, it's time to build, man. For me, this this whole winter has been a time of reflection and introspection. And I'm ready to get down to the brass tacks. I've saved up a couple bones. I'm a cheap bastard and um, I hope you are too because uh, I'm going to teach you some really sketchy ways. I don't have like a full shop. When I got into, you know, car fabrication and uh, motorcycle fabrication and stuff like that, people were garage builders. And nowadays, garage builders have lathes and CNC machines and all this junk and it's not fair. I mean, I guess I got into it five years too early or something like that or years too early right around there because it seems like you know I, I i think i've been doing this for right around 10 years and now it seems in the last five is when everybody's oh i built this in my garage and now it's on bike xf and it's got machined parts and i sandcast this because i have a fountain you know a forge and a foundry and all this crap and it's like dude you are you are you technically a garage builder if you have a full-on shop in your garage? Like, are you are you a uh, a uh, commercial garage at this point? Like, um, hmm, uh, you know, I'm starting to rethink what garage builder means to me. But uh, so let's tiptoe into this subject, and I kind of I teased it last week, um, talking to you about some people that have showed me, uh, especially. You know, all all variants of things that they've been doing. On Tumblr, I connected with some dudes that uh, I was really hoping to have on the show last year. Never have really got in touch with them further than a few messages on Tumblr. But uh, it was Boxer Works, and they specialize in BMW stuff. Some funny stories. The very first uh, year that I had that the show was out and we talked about cold weather riding, they had some funny tips. (laughs) And like, you know, they were they were pretty cool because they're, you know, down to earth, kind of cheap guys too, riding with um, plastic bags under their pillow vests and all the stuff. And it was pretty funny, their advice. I liked it. It's something I would do because I wouldn't go out and spend a few hundred bucks on rain gear. I'd wrap myself in duct tape and trash bags, probably. But uh, so that was funny. And those guys do some pretty cool stuff. Uh, I think I also mentioned Okie McClokey. No, Oki McCloskey. There's nothing there. Okie McCloskey uh, sent me some really, really awesome pics of a Honda that they're working on. Um, Chris SingSime has sent me multiple. He sent me basically an article that I haven't. I have yet to publish because I'm trying to get all this together into one cohesive thought before I jam it down on paper. You know, how, if you've listened to the show, you know how hard cohesion and thoughts are for me. I'm a rambling mess. So, yeah, I try to get getting all this stuff down. But the main point being that, gosh, people love to share builds, builds ideas, builds stories, um, you know, it's it, that's the one great thing about motorcycling and And the community in general, Uh, and you find it in other communities as well. But people are so willing to share and teach, and it's on a motorcycle. Everything's exposed. You don't really have a car that can hide stuff behind sheet metal, and you know, little engine tricks and tips here. Like everything's pretty much exposed. And if you've got like a bunch of junk done, your fairings don't hide it. So I mean, it's it's interesting, but. Yeah, so that's why I love building on bikes and I just love the community and it seems like everybody's kind of starting on a bike build right now. Um a lot of the guys, uh Scott Jones from Noise Cycles and the Rusty Butcher guys from down here, they've been building bikes for the last couple weeks and well, not couple weeks, couple months. And they're going to be at Flat Out Friday uh next weekend for the Mama Tried show and guess what? They are taking They're awesome bikes that they just uh, cobbled together, and they're going to be racing them out there. I know Liza from the Motorcycles and Misfits podcast, she's going to be building a bike, and they just talked to a guy from 40 Cal Customs that he is just my style. He builds with what he has laying around. That's basically what I do. That's why my stuff looks like shit, but uh, basically that's what I do. I, I have not bought a new piece for my motorcycle save for like clutch plates and carb parts and stuff that I can't make myself. But I've, I have made an old cafe racer. I had enough sheet metal laying around from an old race car that I used to have that I banged out a seat pan and welded it together. That was my first uh, foray into how crappy I could make stuff look. Um, I remade a seat pan. My, the very first thing I ever made on my English wheel Well, yeah, I guess it was the very first thing, very first major thing uh, to try to make it look really good. And I rolled it great and all that. And then should have made it one piece instead of two piece. But uh, lessons learned, but I kept it. And uh, I run it on my bike right now just because who cares if I crash, right? It's a total hunk of junk. But it looks – and it doesn't look very decent. Like I'm saying, everybody now – And their garages seems to have like lathes and planishing hammers and all this great stuff. And they just, uh, you know, I got like an English wheel in my hands. I don't even have a sandbag. I got, I have like a little, uh, like a, a, like a log. Like that's one of the main things. Uh, when I got into metal shaping was get a good stump from a tree and dish out the middle. And that's your little dish that you form stuff on. But on a bag, you can do the same thing A shot bag. You just, You know, you can form, it's a more malleable and and not as rigid as a stump and you can use it to dish stuff, but on a stump works pretty good. You just, you uh, cut a little indentation and that's how you stretch your metal and make a bowl shapes or round shapes. Then you can roll them on the English wheel. You can form stuff over bucks. I've seen wire bucks. I've seen wood bucks. I actually tried to make a wood buck uh, a long time ago before I got my English wheel And just pound metal over that. Like they used to make airplanes in Japan. They used to just get these huge uh, pieces of sheet metal, lay them down on this big wooden mock-up of this plane and just bang it until it matched and then cut it and rivet it together. So there's several different ways you can make stuff sheet metal-wise. And then, you know, stuff like triple clamps and stuff like that. I've never done that because I don't have a CNC machine or a lathe or anything like that. And I and I don't have a foundry to cast stuff. However, I do have books on it, and maybe one day when I get the time and money and I'm not spending money on bike parts, I will spend money on parts to make my own tools and cast stuff. So it's stuff that interests me, but I it's just, you know, master jack of all trades, master of none. That's definitely me. And if that's uh if that's you, unless you got like a real crazy shop where you can like start i don't know making stuff to make stuff it's almost not worth it like spend your money on your bike you know what i mean i'm i'm not really into bike building for the end product i'm in i'm in it mostly for the experience and the what i learned to during the process sometimes i'll even get bikes that i'm like totally not even familiar with get the, uh, you know, get a shop manual and all of a sudden now I know something that I didn't know before. So that's, um, something that's always fun too. But, uh, let's, I digress. I digress. Let's get back to these, uh, some bike blogs that might help you out for inspiration or, uh, tips. And if you're, if you are going to buy a bike or if you're going to build a bike, they are just tons of good resources on, you know, Get a little knowledge under your belt, and, and and peruse the pages for other people's opinions, I guess, and stuff like that. Especially if you're going to be building a bike, and you don't know the common, you know, there's some sensei on some forum somewhere that knows every quirk and crummy thing about bikes. And hey, if you if you aren't familiar with this brand, hey, guess what? The electrics always go out on them, or the stators always. Blow up or like they're old and they have condensers and points and those things never stay, you know, just aligned just right and they're always, you know, off and your timing's always crap, yada, yada. So here's some blogs that are pretty good. I have to say that uh, one of the very first blogs that I started to check out was Motomuchi, and that's M-U-C-C-I. Now, at the time when I first started looking at it, this dude was just a... Uh, design student and i think he had he was taking college classes still and he had made an sr 250 cafe racer for his girlfriend i believe kind of brat style kind of cafe racer um really good design and he his drawings were great he had like a whole bunch of stuff on his website Uh, i think he had a honda X500 that he had also restored or like kind of turned that into a cafe racer and a lot of technical drawings and stuff that he was doing in school. I haven't gone to Motomuchi in a while, but last time I was there, I believe he's morphed into a full on shop and sells product maybe like everybody now selling t shirts. Like, I don't even know what half of these companies are that are motorcycle related companies. I just know that they are all photographers and they all sell t-shirts. And other than that, I don't really know what they are except for maybe like lifestyle accounts that you can look on Instagram. So let me look up Motomuchi real quick and I'll tell you exactly what he is. So yeah, it's a pretty good looking blog and there's actually uh, has a gear and merch and all that stuff and artwork and design. So it has turned into more of a blog, and it looks like he has moved shop from Chicago to Portland. So, I'm assuming they'll be covering the one show this weekend. But that was one of the first blogs I got into, and it was really cool. It's changed a lot since I saw it. So, there's not the same like grassroots. Here's what I'm doing. I'm going through school, sort of vibe. But there are a uh, uh, the bike builds page, and that's you know it still shows the stuff. It doesn't show step by step at least that I took time to look at like, like it used to. I mean, when I was looking at it each week, he was posting up something new. He wasn't even done with this uh, first or second bike yet. So now he's got a couple builds under their belt and they got a little shop going and looks pretty cool. Uh, another one that's really good is the uh, old bike barn and bike bandit. And believe it or not, Revzilla. Now, all three of these places are commerce places, but i've noticed that recently everybody's got a pretty cool blog Biltwell's got the WTF blog um redzilla has common tread bike bandit and old bike barn both ha- have their uh blogs too and and <clears throat> excuse me bike bandit and old bike barn both started out as just uh you know places like a uh, Part stores, aftermarket and OE part, like J.C. Whitney sort of things, catalogs online. And now they're reaching out and doing a blog. And I think that's really cool. They're trying to engage. And Revzilla also, you know, for the longest time was super popular for their online gear reviews, which everybody found helpful. And they would go by other places, unfortunately but they did some really thorough really awesome gear reviews and sold gear online and that was that was really rad but now they're doing the common tread blog and they've got a whole bunch of uh unique information <clears throat> pardon me unique information on those on their site and in those blogs and they're really reaching out trying to like provide information to new riders and let you know you know, I think they did their Virginia Tech study on motorcycle crashes, and they break breaking down a lot of cool stuff. So it's really rad to see these once uh, just online retailers turning into like uh, community and support pages too. So those are also blogs where you can go to. Like I said, if you're unfamiliar with the bike, you might be able to look it up, find out more about it on one of these blogs, or get some information. Old Bike Barn is pretty rad. Old Bike Barn's like. Pretty much like chopper stuff, but at the same time, these are also good resources for if you need parts. Old Bike Barn for sure has their fair share of fabrication parts and not just catalog parts. So I like, I really like looking at that. Um, now, Oki McCluskey last week said eBay sellers are a wonderful resource, and I agree. If you look at eBay, a lot of times uh, there are descriptions and crossover part numbers and it's really hard to find that anymore in the industry i mean well not in the industry but pieces like that from the industry where somebody in on their own private time has taken you know hours and hours and hours to compile some databases i've seen it before with um, fork stem lengths and fork tube inner and outer diameters and lengths so if you're trying to mix and match. Parts for bikes and stuff. You have like at least a database of of uh, or a table or matrix, and you can kind of look in there and get some specs and get some numbers and get some sizes and diameters and know what's going to fit with what before you just start hacking away and then realize that you're trying to put like you know, a Z1000 together with like a modern Kawasaki sport bike front end from a ZX14 and it's not going to fit or whatever. So there are some, some databases online where people have done that, but you really got to look for them. And eBay sellers is one place where a lot of times they'll look up a part number and they want to know what it cross, cross references to and voila, there you have it. I mentioned RevZilla, Bike Bandit, and Old Bike Barn as parts, you know, OEM parts catalog and parts fish stuff. There's also websites like GP Suspension where you can go in and dial in stuff for your bike. And they have factory part numbers. Uh, They, you know, they service all manufacturers from Harley Davidson to crummy little Yamahas like I have. And GP Suspension is the name of the site. And you can go in there and you can look up all sorts of stuff. And if you are lucky, they have like um like the diameters and stuff listed of what you're looking for and snap So I don't know. There's There's a lot of cool online resources nowadays. Now, if you're looking for inspiration and you need, you know, something that you want to build or modify your bike to look like, Bike Xf is one of the oh my gosh! It's basically it started a while ago. I forget how old it is now, but it's basically the reason that pipe wrap was cool. I don't know ten years ago, and subsequently brown seats and street trackers have become cool in the last two or three years. Everybody wants to do what bike Xf is doing, and everybody wants to do or you know get their bike on bike xf ichiban moto who is one of the very best uh teachers on youtube if you go to ichiban moto's uh youtube page back in the day this is a while ago cuz he's got so much information on his website there was a video of how to get your bike on bike xf and like all the boxes that you had to check so as like we play hipster bingo and like make fun of hipster stuff and all the boxes that you have to check in order to like make it into that category. Uh, Bike Xif is one of those websites where for, for right now they're like one of the uh, premier websites where everybody goes to for pictures of new customs and interesting looking bikes and new things and yeah so it 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 all started with one guy i believe he's australian and uh, just started with him liking some bikes and everybody realized he had a good eye and uh good eye i'm not not making fun of his uh, australian accent i'm just saying he has a good eye for bikes and design and now like it's one of the gold standards for what's cool in biking. Not only that, but there's other ones like wind blown, Super Special, Pipe Burn. Uh, those are just a couple that I can think of that are pretty big. I wouldn't say that they are rivals to Bike XF, but I would say that they are um, cohorts, you know. Also, there's Deus. I mean, Deus is an actual builder, though. They are not like a bike, um, you know, A bike purveyor or curator—that's what I should call him—curator of bike picks and stuff. But there's some other ones out there. And so, anyway, go if you need some inspiration, go to those places. You know what I mean? So there's all sorts of cool bike blogs to check out. Most of, if you're looking for like, if you're going to buy a new bike, don't even bother. Go to Cycle World or something like that, where you're going to get information that you need in order to make a uh, an educated purchase. But if you are going to build some stuff, go to these places, go to these blogs. They're they're basically curations of motorcycles. By, you know, and they they usually interview the builders so you can see who does it. Then you can go to their site and see how cool the stuff that they make is. Now here's some builders that I really like that are pretty cool that are make some really inspiring builds. Cafe Racer Dreams. They make some really good... It's a CRD, um, and it might just be CafeRacerDreams.com, but if you type in CRD, they'll probably pop up. They are out of Spain, I believe, and they make some really awesome stuff. Deus is another thing. Uh, Deus ex machina, to be precise, and they are all over, but uh, Wooly being their main one here in LA, they also have another designer... In Australia, I believe, and uh, maybe even one in Bali or wherever the the hell else they are. Um, Another great group of guys that build bikes are the Wrench Monkeys, and that's M-O-N-K-E-E-S, like the band Monkeys, the Monkeys, and um, I think they're out of Sweden. There's also the Lucky Cat Garage. They make some pretty interesting looking stuff. If you're looking for some like way tripped out stuff, there's El Solitario Garage and also Shinya Kimura, who he's local to me here, and uh, he, he's over in Azusa. He was one of the very first guys I saw that made some really super interesting looking bikes. And I was like, wow, that's like metal craft right there. And that's why I didn't feel bad when some of my stuff looked more like art than it did look like a functional piece because he's got some really interesting stuff. So that's a few builders that make some cool stuff that you can go check out for inspiration. And hell, everybody's a builder now. You know what I mean? So at any rate, yeah, so building that bike catch me inside how about that because you'll catch me inside the garage you know what i'm saying so um before we move on to the last part of the show i would like to say you need something for valentine's day valentine's day is coming up you need to get something for your sweetie well why don't you check out something from a sweetie that we know and his name is dan michael And he is the artist and blogger over at dailybikers.com. If you need an interesting perspective or just something funny to brighten up your day... Go over to dailybikers.com, check out the blog. He's also done some gear reviews. He's got great write-ups on just about everything that he does, and he's got one bad one. I dare you to read the whole blog, front to back, upside down, back and forth, all the years that he's been doing it. And you find that one, and when you find it, don't let me know. Don't even let him know. Write it down on a piece of paper and burn it. Anyways, Etsy. He's got an Etsy shop, and I believe there's a link on Daily Bikers to the shop where you can directly purchase things like moleskin journals. I know you want to write poetry when you're pulled over on the side of the road taking a whiz or at the coffee shop uh, cruising in there on your BMW. Oh, 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 don't say it. Don't say it. Anyways, there's also wrapping paper. I know you're going to get your boyfriend or girlfriend, some new G-string underwear for Valentine's Day. Dude, Victoria's Secret is only around for one one holiday, and that's Valentine's Day, right? So, wrap it up in some motorcycle-themed wrapping paper. He's also got digital downloads that you can get for a couple bucks. And, uh, basically it's like a one... It's like an adult coloring book, but instead of being naughty and inappropriate, it's motorcycles! So you can buy them... Um, as a book form or you can buy them piecemeal you know if you want to make your own coloring book just buy them for a couple bucks a piece and it'll give you something to do while you're waiting in line at the dmv to register that barn find and good luck if you're in california but maybe if you're in another state it's much easier but yeah so check out dailybikers.com tell dan creative writing said what's up and uh we'll probably charge you three times as much and uh So, yeah, but go check it out. There's some really cool stuff over there if you're into reading about motorcycles and learning about all the great stuff that Australia has that we don't. And then you also want to buy, like, a cool piece of art to hang in your office or a card or a candy box or a candle. Check it out. All right, baby, break it down, DJ Blown. You little clown. All right. Hey, we're rounding out the last part of the show here. And I'd like to ask you something. Something serious. Let's do this infernal music. Have you ever geared up for a ride, walked out to your bike, eased your body into the saddle and thought, wow, I'm like a banana. <laughs> well, let me explain. Since its inception, motorcycling has been one of those things that's been exhilarating and polarizing. The people who tend to find themselves on two wheels are usually a little bit more adventurous and slightly less conventional than the general population that they live amongst. Motorcycling has always been a little dangerous, from the early steamers whose boilers were like mere inches from the riders' genitals, all the way to the 200 mile an hour plus race bikes that lap public roads in the UK. And motorcycles have never quite been designed for the general public. Therefore, it should come as no surprise that the riders of these machines are also not cut from the same swath of fabric that comprises the rest of humanity. We are more like bananas. I don't know if you are aware that Earth's favorite fruit is not grown from seeds, it's cloned. Some scientists think it might even be doomed as a result. Much like bananas, motorcyclists are also clones of one sort or another. Initially, we were the progeny of equestrians. The first humans to mount wild animals, mostly the equine variety, were the first to ride in much the same way that we ride motorcycles today. And in fact, the bicycle and motorcycle were both technological advancements designed to replace and replicate or simplify the role of the horse in some way or another. Many motorcycle terms actually originate from archaic equestrian vocabulary. But what does that have to do with bananas? Well, now that you're thinking about it, you just now only realize that bananas don't have seeds, didn't you? Well, then how do they reproduce and grow? Well, to get technical, here's an excerpt from Scientific American to explain succinctly. Fruit development normally begins when one or more egg cells in the ovular compartment of the flower are fertilized by sperm nuclei from pollen, and in some plants, however, the fruit develops without fertilization, a phenomenon known as parthenocarpy. Parthenocarpic fruit has advantages over seeded fruit, like longer shelf life and greater consumer appeal. So it turns out that nature's sweetest yellow wiener is actually a sterile mutant. A seedless, sexless mutant. Parthenocarpy sounds like ancient Greece's boniest fish, but it actually just means that plants can still develop fruit without the birds and the bees. Early farmers began to cultivate the banana in Southeast Asia over 10,000 years ago, and since the 1950s, one main variety, the Cavendish, has taken hold in most developed countries. Generation after generation of Cavendish banana has been planted and grown from graftings and plant cuttings. Naval oranges and clementines are also grown in the same way and are also consequently seedless. Farmers use asexual propagation techniques in order to ensure that the progeny are exact replicas of the parent plants and that's how the Cavendish bananas all retain the signature shape, color, and qualities that they've been sharing since our friend Uglug planted them in her primitive post-Ice Age farm so many thousands of years ago. One more point to make about bananas before we strap a motor on one and ride it off into the future. Since bananas are exact clones of, their, of the parent plants, they have the exact same disease tolerance. In other words, not much. Bananas have replicated the same genes for thousands of years without much variation. And in most other living things, we see this adaptation and mutations take place in the offspring during sexual reproduction and development. And that's what makes the next generation stronger, smarter, and less susceptible to disease. Or in the case of the banana, it includes resistance to pests and fungus. Since bananas are sterile clones, there is no chance to throw the genetic Dice, as Conservation Magazine put it, and there's no resistance or variation introduced into the fruit's genetic chain, or at least very little. And that's where the parallel with motorcycles was made for me. I've said recently that, according to sales and insurance numbers for on-highway motorcycles, at least, the ridership among younger people and sport bikes and standards appears to be waning. Like the banana, the quote fruit has become sterile and only the clones are propagating it's not a surprise as nearly the same thing has happened in the motorcycle industry in the last 10 years compared to the 10 years prior to that it's true that there have been major refinements over the last decade and many occurring just in the last five years alone lest you be quick to forget Fuel injection, ABS, cruise control, and even primitive forms of IMUs existed long before they ever came to market on such a grand scale as they have today. For instance, BMW's K100, that featured fuel injection back in 1983. It had an electrically adjustable windscreen in 1986, ABS came on in 1988, and from then on, all the K100s had ABS. Honda's had a variation of mechanically and electrically linked brakes for some time on a lot of their bikes. That batwing-styled fairing that's found on most tours but is the staple look for bagger Harley-Davidson's, that's been around since the 1960s. Only recently have OEMs like Harley made refinements to the fairings to deliver rider comfort, such as their Project Rushmore fairings. Even carbon fiber frames and other components have been used as far back as the 70s, and only nowadays they're just available as standard accessories for most OEMs. Thus, like the banana, bikers too may be doomed to suffer stagnation and obsolescence if we fail to propagate ourselves and our products properly. That's a lot of peas and plosives. P-p-p-p-p-p-p-p. Market reports are showing that there is a shift in other rider demographics. The median age of riders is getting older and older each year, and these older riders are moving toward rolling sofas as a way to alleviate back and wrist pain that's often associated with crouching and hunching over sport bikes. As a result, the cruiser market is slowly growing, while sadly simultaneously losing money and manufacturers. As people quit riding sport bikes, sales and sponsorship opportunities for American road racing has all but fallen off the table. Poor economic growth and mismanagement of racing series also created problems for racers and factories alike, and 2014 saw anemic numbers in the AMA-sanctioned road racing series that was managed by the Daytona Motorsports Group. Organizing five rounds in total for that year, all but guaranteed that DMG would be stripped of its duties, and that basically opened the door for the Crave Group to establish Moto America Road Racing Series. We could go off on a tangent about Daytona Motorsports Group and their mismanagement of that series, but the fact that it happened is basically a reflection of the market at the time and the trends that are currently happening now years later. In episode 44, we talked about the obstacles that manufacturers face when trying to make a new bike and successfully market it to the masses. The OEMs are usually five years behind the frontline trends that builders and the counterculture deem cool or in, in vogue. Add to that the abrasive and stereotypical expectations of certain groups of riders and it's no surprise that the largest manufacturers are reluctant to change their image or venture outside the box as far as bike design and performance goes. So don't expect to see sport bikes looking totally off the wall and don't expect cruisers to get any sportier. So there we are back at square one. The banana and the leather jacket. We need to mutate our genes and embrace things like electric bikes to get people back into racing. I mean, thank God for flat track, because even though it will only mostly benefit the cruiser OEMs like HD and Indian that are in the spotlight, there's other OEMs in there. At least customers and fans can become engaged in the brand competition on track. That usually helps competition on the showroom floor. Well, win on Sunday and sell on Monday, that only sort of applies as most motorcycle dealerships are closed on Mondays, but you get the picture. Let's not forget that the singles class is also going to feature every motorcycle manufacturer except for Harley, Indian, and Ducati, and people that make uh, larger displacement bikes exclusively. So, the DMG's aforementioned poor organization of the AMA Road Racing Series Took airtime away from sponsors and consequently took money out of teams' pockets. Less airtime meant less selling of those sponsors' products, and that meant less for everybody. It also pro- is probably why Harley Davidson got out of road racing altogether and they quit making the extremely cool and completely mutant, at least for HD, XR 1200 Sportster. Talk about injecting a little mutation into your lion's genes. No, they did it. Bananas are sweet and good for you, and so are bikes, in my opinion, and the parallels are endless. But it's time to put this banana back in its peel for another time. And in conclusion, I'd like to say a few things need to happen before we suffer the same fate of the Gross Mikkel. If you want to look that up on the internet and see exactly what I'm talking about, go for it. Step one we need to get millennials on bikes. So your kids and grandkids, commuters, gamers, and dirt bikers, anybody that's not in the mainstream of on-highway biking, now is the perfect time. Let's get a motocrosser out there and take them out on this ADV trip. Let's slap the controller out of your kid's hand and throw a grip in its place. Let's get an Irby off the metro and show them just how much faster they can get to work by splitting lanes on a bike. Not only that, but maybe they'll be a little bit happier when they get there due to their two wheel therapy session. Step 2, we need to get new bikes. No one's excited about a CBR1000RR or a GSXR1000 that hasn't changed much since 2006. That's why Honda's dropping their m- middle class, you know, the 600cc class to begin with. Everybody complains about the fact that Suzuki has, up until this year, they've only put bold new graphics on their bikes. And the Honda CBR1000RR for this year, people were kind of disappointed that it was just basically the same motor as last year with a couple tweaks. That also goes for the XR650L and the Concourse 14. Those are bikes that haven't changed since, who knows, since they were made practically. You know, you're not safe either, Boulevard S40. We talked about you a couple episodes ago as one of the turds that has not changed since its look uh, straight out of the 80s. So, step three these millennials that we need to get on bikes, they're going to be interested in new stuff. And that's what our bikes need. We need more electric motors, we need head up helmets, we need connectivity. Uh, If not through audio systems, then maybe through comms or phone apps. You know what I mean? Just some some social thing for for motorcycles. And even though I don't like the self-balancing or self-riding bikes, I think our descendants might, so let's not deny them. Your grandpa didn't stop you from ditching that 1960s tank for your 2000-something fuel-injected Fared crotch rocket, did he? So even though it's not your cup of tea... Think about the future generations and what motorcycles were 100 years ago compared to what they are now and look forward to the next 100 years and maybe that's what we need to keep motorcycling going. It may not be what you're used to, but at least it will still be something. Step four, we need to let small small bikes become cool again and small bikes for that fact. This whole new market of sub 500cc bikes just came out over the last couple of years. Groms are fun. The G310GS will be fun. Ride the CR250L and see if you don't smile a bit afterwards, even just a little bit. And the Street 500 and 750, they can be made to look cool. I mean, that's small for Harley. They're not the V-Rod Redux, my hardline Harley-Davidson 103 cubic inch riding admonishers of the small. If you're too old to see their value, then they're not for you. You'll be on a trike soon enough, old man, and you probably didn't like splitting lanes in the first place. So don't deny the cool kids, the possibilities, and the the cool customization that can come out of a 500 and a 750 because that's what Harley needs to do. Also, electric bikes. Finally, it's time to inject some jeans into your bananas. Now get out there and build something that will make your mama proud. Alright, Well, that's a little article I wrote for CreativeWriting.com. How are bikers like bananas? We do need to inject some mutations into our genes. We are just clones. We are the same. The reason that the older market is, or the median age is getting older and older is because there's no new blood getting into this thing. Where do we see new blood? We see it in motocrossers. We see it in off-road racers. We don't really see a whole heck of a lot of road racers coming in. And like I said, Daytona Motorsports Group ruined it for America. And, you know, we we I guess we do have guys in Moto2 and Moto3, but that is so limited. And that is so, uh, I mean, such a small class. I'd really like to see something like World Superbike and British Superbike over here. And we can get back up there again. If only the AMA could do what American flat track is doing um, and what the hooligan class and actually the plebs like us have done for flat track. If only road racing was a little bit more accessible and there was a hooligan road racing class, it would just be awesome. And I have no doubts that it would just fly uh, back into the mainstream and, you know, we'd get some more deals, you know, like flat tracks getting a television deal. Now we need to do that with American road racing not just on some deep cable racing channel. So, yeah, I'm pretty pissed off about how everything is going. And I really did think about bananas. They've been cloned for 10,000s of years. The thing is, is that, you know, most plants have some sort of resistance uh, modified into them over the centuries as they grow up with the diseases. And there's some crazy crazy diseases right now that are attacking banana plantations they can't adapt and pesticides don't work on these sort of things they're not pests they're it's a fungus it's a banana disease like cancer for the banana and so there's no cure for cancer and so i really thought is motorcycling the same i mean i think i might have asked a while back is motorcycling a blip on the radar of humanity you know what i mean like the automobile has, was invented, um, well, let's see, the automobile. In the late 1800s, you know, sort of right before the motorcycle took off. And we're already moving toward like self-driving, maybe, you know, humans in 25 years won't drive motorcycles anymore. I mean, uh, I'm sorry, automobiles anymore. Automobiles might be self-driving. Uber, they're working on it right now. So is Google. Um, drones are delivering stuff. I mean, we're just going to be blobs. If you, you should go watch that movie Wally, watch the movie Idiocracy, like all these things that are co- just coming true. And it's sad because we're like, hey, man, that's like a great message in that movie. And then we just like go back to doing the stuff that's leading right up to that. So I'm bummed out about it. And I think, uh, I'm not saying that humanity you know, that we can avoid where we're going as humans. But I'm just saying that right now, like if we want to see stuff, be the change that you want to see. Right. So inject some of that mutation into your, uh, whatever it is, whatever genre of writing and and get your younger friends into it so that there is new blood. And if that means that there's new weird bikes that are weird to us old people, Hey, that's fine. I can't, couldn't imagine like the first person that was like, wow, this bike got fuel injection back when everything was carbureted, you know, like it's not the same as it was 20 or 30 years ago. And imagine how those people felt. So just because bikes are becoming electric and bikes are becoming self-balancing. Hey, if you don't like that and if you because you like your big V-twin bagger, I, I, uh, I'm not going to call out any motorcycle podcasts. Um, but I did hear one recently that was saying stuff just like that. They think stuff is stupid. They think that, well, I think, uh, Phil from Cleveland motor, I will call him out because he, uh, put a very fine point on it and, uh, it's not derogatory. So Phil said, Hey, you, I don't get this bike and that's perfect. Cause that's who the, the people were going for. If they, if, if I would have got it, he said, that means they missed their mark because they're going for younger people. And if some old guy thinks it's cool, that's not the right market. And that's not who's going to keep motorcycling going. So the fact that he doesn't get some of these newer bikes coming out means that the factories are getting it exactly right. Because that's what the younger people want. And that's what we need. So, oh man, what a time. What a time. We We live in this great era right now where technology is so great and social media exists and, and we can hook up online with people across the world right now. And in some ways we're just so isolated still. Like, I I really don't know what the scene is like in Denmark or even the UK for that matter. And I really don't know what it's like in India or these developing countries that not everybody, you know, that, Two wheels is just a way of life, but not how we think of it. Because we think of it as a leisure activity, you know what I mean? And that's pretty sad. And even those of us that think of it as hardcore commuting don't do it in these crazy big masses like they do in like Thailand and China and all these other places where you have like a thousand scooters every morning at the stoplight on your way to work. So it's just it's interesting to think about globally how connected we are but we're still so different and then all these crazy self-driving cars and v2v technology uh, stuff that I've talked about and that I should probably revisit as it keeps developing how that is like not even playing a part in the development of other countries that are still so far behind that you know what I mean there's not even traffic signals in these countries some of these countries so it's just is interesting um so that was also part of my Inspiration to you to get out there and build a bike. Just get out there, build a bike, customize a bike. I'm really excited to get into this topic over the next year. Um, Flat out Friday. I, did I mention Flat Out Friday? I, I mentioned it on Facebook. Um, some of the guys from SoCal are going to be there. Scott Jones from Noise Cycles, the Rusty Butcher Crew. They've all made some 750s. Speaking of the who, who is cool who the 750 Harleys are cool for racers, man. I don't care if you're like some old guy that can't hunch over anymore. These seven fifties are kicking ass on the tracks and these guys are getting them given to them and then taking them to race in hooligan. And then, you know, of course the AMA, the factory teams are going to be racing them on the track. So yeah, Build, Get out there and build something cool out of something that some old man doesn't like. So, yeah, I'm going to be really excited to focus on the creative side of creative writing this next year. I think I've said that is my goal. A couple other goals I failed to mention at the beginning of the show. Uh, We've added some more stuff to the website. We've added some more writer profiles for the WIR's top 10 list. Uh, Jason Goulmeyer was kind enough to send me the crew, and you know I'm all about that. I'm all about the behind the scenes. I'm all about the weird stuff uh, that takes place with motorcycles. So it should, you know, make sense that the crew is just as much as of a part of uh, the events that go on as the stars or the racers are. So. Thank you for giving me those Jason and thanks WIR top 10 list people. It had to be you guys over 1100 website views in like two or three days of uh, adding all those profile pics and then adding the crew. Um, Yeah. Like a a quarter of my total website views happened in like uh, two or three days because of you guys. And I know it had to be you guys because who doesn't like looking at information about themselves online. Right. And then. When I looked at my stats, it was all your guys' posts and all these views, like 800 views and stuff. So really interesting, really cool. And thanks, guys, for being part of that. I am super excited to see when the racing starts up how much bullshit is flung around. Um... I broke the swear jar, as you may hear on this in the past episode. There's been a few uh, swears coming out, and there's no coins covering those up. Well, I broke the swear jar, and it's because I got mad when there was uh, money in it, and I realized I was taking money out of one pocket to put it in the other and call myself rich. So I got pissed. I broke the swear jar. Not going to be around anymore. Didn't work. Um, I'm going to be adding some stuff to the website. I'm really looking forward to, like I said, I've been documenting building the seat 10 minutes at a time over the last 12 months, kind of how everything on my bike goes just because work, kids, adulting, stuff like that takes me forever to get anything done. Especially if you have to learn how to do something first and then try and do it. Or if you run out of supplies, you're like, "Yeah, what can I, should I buy this or should I go buy some new gloves and a helmet that I really need? So it's like when you get to my stage and you're like, got a couple kids and you're like not the richest dude and you live in California, which is kind of expensive, then you start to have to prioritize stuff. So that's the other thing I love about customizing and building bikes and seeing what people do because I, I, I'm not down with these dudes that have full-on uh garage like I was saying earlier. They have a they really have a shop in their garage. They they're not a garage builder at that point. But I like seeing what the dirt cheap guys do. That's why I really have loved uh Liza and the Motorcycles and Misfits podcast last few um their interviews covering like the dirt bag challenge and uh, 40 Cal customs because those guys use whatever they have around and they don't have shops and they make cheap bikes that go a long way. So digging that stuff. And that's exactly what I try to do. So for inspiration, um, I went out and grabbed a whole bunch of old, uh, I, I had like four or five years worth of cycle world, motorcyclist, yada, yada, yada. And, and when I moved I decided it's time to quit carrying this. It had to weigh like 80 pounds. It was 80 pounds of um, motorcycle magazines for the last, because I use it for work to do research and like look up specs and reviews and all this sort of stuff. And I thought, I'm not going to carry this around anymore. I could sell it on eBay, I guess, but who's going to buy, you know, it's, it's not like a 1980s issue. It's like 2008 to 2012. So I dumped them. I recycled them all except for a choice few and I kept them. And it's like the ones like this one right here from 2000. What year? Did, uh, this is December from 2011. It's got Roland Sands Dirty Desmo. He did a Desmo Sedici V4 custom dirt tracker and they took it out and they, oh, this thing looks so badass. So when I'm looking at this, I'm going, hey, that's inspiring to me. He took a freaking Desmo. A total sport bike, Ducati sport bike, and turned it into uh, a naked street tracker. It looks so beautiful. Then I got this one right here. Cycle World from September of 2011. It's got Mule Motorcycles uh, XR1660. Yes, you heard that right. XR1660. He's got a 1660 Super Street Tracker gigantic Harley Davidson motor 1660 that's got to be is that a 110 or like a maybe that's only a 103 but this is back when they were only making in 2011 they were only making the uh the 90 oh god dang it the 98 still right let me think of these dang it I write this I do this stuff for a living and I can't remember (laughs) what the 2011 displacements were but at any rate, I know that like 103 was like the Screaming Eagle and the standard one was like, it wasn't the, I think it was 98 or something like that. But anyway, uh, so the 1660 at this point was like totally gonzo. And I know that they have bigger ones now stock, but uh, back then th- that was a huge one. And, and it's mule motorcycles. I've always loved mule stuff. I've his stocked mule uh, Richard Pollock online and looked at his garage and got inspiration just from his garage of how he works that. And then inside there, there's also naked and nasty uh, bare bones Ducati and Alonzo Bowden. I believe it's his Ducati that he's got. And it's like stripped down and totally naked. And so I'm just looking at these, uh, these motorcycle mags that nowadays is mostly ads because it's hard to make a buck writing about fun stuff anymore. You have to like pump somebody's product for them or they don't bother, you know, giving you the time of day and then you don't have any, you have like 12 pages of magazine to sell. So um, they don't do fun stuff like this anymore, but it's got like really cool uh, custom builds in it. You know what I mean? And then also cycle world, October, 2012 has Ben Bostrom's Z1000 on the front and he's got i mean just the coolest looking custom bike i saw it actually on a show on tv and i forget what channel it was on it might have been on speed but it, it was a while ago as well it's probably back around the same time as this magazine came out but dude this bike is just totally rad and it's cool that like an, an ex racer is is kicking it around on this freaking custom ca- uh, he calls it a cafe and it does look a little retro but it's got like a fully modern uh kawasaki motor in it so just i don't know just cool to see when cycle world and all these mags used to have like fun inspiring stuff in it here's one from october 2010 and it's got a suzuki gsx r1000 bob job on it and it's basically like a street fighter it's got a huge huge round headlamp in the front totally stripped of all its fairings the only stock thing is the tank and the tail section it's got it's got like a reddish brown seat. This is before brown seats were cool. And this thing kind of has a brown seat. And that's a, I, part of the appeal. You know, that's partially why it looks so rad. Um, and then they have like a Norton Commando 91S, 961SE in here. And talk about Norton making a comeback. I don't know. Just some really cool, awesome stuff. Let me see whose bike this is. This uh, GSX R1000 Bob Job the articles by Peter Jones and it sounds like his bike. And he just goes on talking about all the cool people that worked on this thing for him. Like did the welding into the wheels, his little overflow bottle. It's like a, uh, white rock. What does that say? White rock ginger ale bottle. And dude, this thing is just totally rad. And in here, he's talking about all these other rad bikes that he's owned and what's so cool. And, uh, I don't know, just all the great stuff that he's owned over the years. And then he does this crazy Bob job. And then of course I'm going to cry when I read this, but October, 2015 project 156 is right on the cover. And just looking at this bike just inspires me to go out even just to throw a bunch of tube together, man. I got a buddy that slings tube and, uh, I don't have a tubing bender, but, um, well, I don't have a modern tubing bender. I have a very, very old school tubing bender that I made, uh, that using the techniques that they used to use to build tubes. But here's another one, February 2010, uh, Cycle World magazine. They have, pardon me, they have uh, Greg's Custom R1 Mad Tracker, which is this crazy Yamaha street tracker with the big uh, speed blocks, totally naked bike, looks, I mean, this thing just looks so rad. I remember the first, when I saw this on the cover, I was just like almost fell out of my seat. And it's a it's a TZ tribute really to, you know, Kenny Roberts bike that they built him back in the day. But yeah, this thing's rad. And then. Oh, dude, I don't know. There's just so much inspiration on in every single magazine I pick up. And that's why I save these is because just looking at them, especially okay, Hot Bike. Now, that's almost exclusively Harley Davidson's. But you look through here and there's some pretty sweet builds and hot bike. The thing is, is that almost none of them are stock. Like that's that's hot bike is just basically, you know, a custom bike mag. So I just even even if you're not into Harleys, you look through there for some really crazy uh, inspiration and stuff like that just to get you in the mood to build. And once in a while, you can learn some cool techniques there's also this old cool bookstore. It used to be called the old bookstore. I forget what it's called now, but there's this uh it used to be Gingery Press or something like that. Um gosh, if I can remember the name of it, I will uh I will put it in the show notes. But they basically I used I, I got this um catalog of all these old books, and it was the this guy had kept all these uh Machinist books, um, you know, old mechanic books, old forging books, stuff from like the turn of the century all the way to like the 40s and 50s until machines basically started taking over for a lot of the stuff that people did by hand. And you could buy these books. There was also how to work, how to do sheet metal work, how to forge, how to do sand casting, things like that, how to make a lathe. This guy had a book on how to cast a like how to sand cast and build a forge and it was like a three or four part book and you would buy the first book which is building your foundry and and it teaches you how to build a little foundry in your backyard like the size of like a 5 gallon bucket and then from there it taught you how to sand cast in the next book and how to like make your own um you know, forms and all that stuff to put your sand in, how to pack the sand, how to make green sand, yada, yada, yada. Then the next book was how to cast your first pieces of a lathe. And then the fourth book was how to take those first initial pieces that you made and make the rest of the lathe using the... The pieces, and it was step by step. So each part of the lathe that you made, you had to cast a couple pieces, and then after you got those, you would have enough there that you could start making the other parts of the lathe on the the lathe. And then as you made each part, you could make uh, the next part and the next part. And so basically, you would know how to forge, or you know, not forge, but you would know how to uh, melt metal. You would know how to cast it into something useful. And then you would actually have a stinking lathe. So this four-part book series, and uh, I have the first one, and um, I also got a couple of sheet metal books. And then the guy went out of business. You know, he's an old dude, and he was collecting all these books. But I think you can still find them online. They're not reprinting them. He he owned the licensing or the copywriting or something like that, and he was reprinting these. And then he quit printing them, and somebody bought up all of his stock and is selling them now. I think it's called the Old Bookstore or Ye Old Bookstore. If you go there, you can find some of these things. So, um, I mean, if I know if you're getting into, into building and all that stuff, you don't want to necessarily go back to the beginning and learn how to, like, <laughs> make a frame from the basic minerals. Like, <laughs> get a book on mining and then mine the ore and then <laughs> make your own foundry. But I'm just saying, like, it depends on how far back you want to go. And the techniques you want to learn and the things you want to do. And all these books had like these cool, neat tools that you could use um, and make. And what I liked about it was they were doing, a lot of them are from like World War II era. So when they were running out of steel to make, that they needed to build tanks and planes, um, they were making uh, dyes out of wood and they were making pipe benders out of wood. And so that's how I learned how to make my pipe bender. And uh, that's where I learned to make my sheet metal. Well, not really my sheet metal break, but uh, I made a sheet metal break and then uh, got this book and found out that they did it much in the similar way. So yeah, these things are super cool. It's always fun to learn a new technique. I don't even know how I started going down this road, but I think it was because I was getting inspired by building a bike and then I needed some tools and I was like, I need to make some tools to build a bike. And so yada, yada, there you go. So I think I mentioned earlier, I got a stump and you can form metal on a stump. You can form metal on a buck. I got an English wheel. You can roll lots of cool stuff that you can't bang. You can roll on there. Don't have a planishing hammer. I just have my arms. Um, you know, the basic hand tools. There's this great guy. I'm going to give you right now some stuff. Um, I don't know how much I would trust this for motorcycles, but some of the stuff can translate over. Atomic Zombie. He's got a book called The Bicycle Builder's Bonanza, and I think he put out a couple more books since then. And there's some pretty cool stuff. Since I like all two-wheeled stuff, you can look in there and get super inspired to build stuff. Um, he's he's just He's the type of guy, too, that doesn't throw anything away. You got a hub, you keep it. You never know when you're going to need to lace it to something. Um, he actually makes his own hubs for bicycles. That'll work for your motorcycles. That's not going to work. But if you want to start out and do something cool on two wheels to ride around, uh, for exercise or something while you're getting in shape to ride your bike motorcycle. Um, yeah, like totally. It's really fun just to make all these cool, crazy things and learn something. It'll teach you to weld. I mean, before you want to weld on your motorcycle, maybe you try to weld up a bicycle and see how straight you can get stuff and, See how hard it is to notch a tube with a die grinder instead of having a, a tubing notcher. And see how hard it is to bend tube without kinking it and um, until you get a tubing bender or until you make wooden dies or any dies, blah, blah, blah. So, yeah, all these great things. And uh, looking through all these magazines just inspires me to get out into the garage to fix up my old crappy bikes and to make new stuff and to make new bikes. And... I love it. It's great. I hope you guys love making stuff and I hope you love, um, I mean, I talked about the WIR top 10 list just a minute ago. If you love seeing people wrench and work and get down to the nitty grit on bikes, like in the off season, um, so that they they can go 3,742 miles an hour. Uh, you should go check out their page. They got all sorts of stuff going on and you can see motors just getting torn apart and put back together and, turbos being fitted and all this great stuff uh enough of this rambling let's let's uh try to close out the show here shall we all right well it's getting toward the end of the show here last week i mentioned that we have a movie review and then i never did it so on this week's Good for the heart, good for the soul. That's what rhymes with baboon's butthole. Our movie review is going to be The Thrill is On. Now, you can't really find The Thrill is On anywhere except for YouTube. (coughs) Pardon me, as far as I found. And it's an old flat track movie that was never made. It was sort of in the style of On Any Sunday, where a couple of dudes that were making films just followed around a couple of flat trackers. By the way, Motorcycle Men, on any Sunday, one of the greatest motorcycle films ever. Yes, it may be dated, but it was the OG documentary, and you should be ashamed of yourselves for bad it. At any rate, The Thrill Is On was basically the same sort of thing. Followed around Dave Aldana mostly, um, and there was a couple other guys in there that I can't think of right off the top of my head, like Bart Merkel or something like that. And so it followed them around. And it is kind of cool because on any Sunday, uh, I don't know on any Sunday was really great. And this is a little bit more grassrootsy and it kind of lets you see behind the scenes. And it kind of, you know, on any Sunday followed Mert Law around and this kind of follows Dave Aldana around and it's fun. It's in the same sort of vein. Um, and basically at the end, I think it was 2003 was the, at the end I'm sorry I had to stop recording I got confused the rain was coming down so hard I didn't know what the heck that noise was so and anyways yeah it, it interviews Dave Aldana and um Bart Merkel I think the guy's name is at the at the end and they you know they're older and it's just kind of cool to see these two old guys um reliving their you know talking about their their the golden age of flat tracking. And so it's really cool. It waned there for a while, sort of like NASCAR did. And pardon me, I'm dying here. I need to close the show out. But anyway, yeah, it's a good, it's a good watch. It's only like an hour long or something like that. So it's a pretty quick view. It's old also. I mean, it was filmed right around the same time. I think it was maybe late seventies. Um, and so the music in it, Oh, here's the, here's the main thing. I, I, don't know like what other music was in it but magic sam i recognize magic sam i love magic sam it's got like the uh, the e street boogie and magic sam's magic dance or something like that i forget the name of the song but that's the first thing i noticed was uh, i love magic sam's guitar playing and he was in it and so there was some other stuff that wasn't magic sam in it but man i just right off the bat it's got some really rad funky music so If you got a minute or two and you want to see some old, uh, not new, cool movies, check it out. So, that's our show. We're going to wrap it up. Holy crap, it is raining so hard. Please don't slide away, Santa Cruz. Creative writing and its associates would like to apologize to the following people, places, things. Bananas. WIR, top ten. Santa Cruz in the rain. Mike and Mary Muffins, congratulations on that cute baby. Revzilla, Bike Bandit, Old Bike Barn, Motomucci, Built Well, Bike XF, Windblown, Pipe Burn, and any other bike blog we may have mentioned. Sorry to Harley Davidson and Indian. Sorry to the KLR650. Sorry to Honda. Sorry to the SR40. The S40 Boulevard. Sorry to the BMW K100 and any Hondas we may have mentioned. And we're sorry to Johnny J and the Flatfoot Flugies, And of course, Dan Michael at dailybikers.com. That's our show, folks. Please rate us on iTunes, Google Play, Google Play, Look us up on SoundCloud or wherever you get your podcasts at. Contact the show at creativewritingpodcast at gmail.com or look us up online, www.creativewriting.com Peace and grease. Say hi to my niece. The reason the whole reason they moved San Francisco used to be the port of Los, of California way back in the pioneer days. The reason that they moved the port down here to L.A. and the L.A. is kind of like the uh, the port and the uh, commerce base now is because the earthquake that tore up San Francisco. <sighs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Dance it out, baby. Um, let me tell you a little bit about this. It's going to be at 1428 West Ninth Avenue in Spokane. There's, you know, I just said what it was going to be. So, step three, um, entrance, and I, I'll I will judge a panel. Uh, well, that's what i there. Millennials that we need to get on bikes. This whole new market of sub 500 bikes, it just came while sadly simultaneously. Some Some scientists think, uh uh-oh, like pannier, pillion, so on and so forth, at least an early stage of it. Parthenocarpy sounds like ancient Greece's boniest fish, but it actually means that plants can still develop. Parthenocarpy sounds like ancient Greece's boniest fish, Fish. yet if you're less be quick to forget... Did you say Charlie Harper? Charlie Harper.